welcome to Family Financial Feuds from University of Illinois Extension. Hi, this is Kathy Swedler from University of Illinois Extension, and I'm here to vent about my normal vent, which is paying bills. And I decided to recruit my two colleagues so we could figure out what is the best way to get bills paid on time. And um, so I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Kamaya Wallace-Bichard. I'm so happy to be on and talking about this topic. And I'm Seisha Grabensetter, and I'm pumped to talk about bill paying. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things like you just have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I am perpetually looking for a way to make it more painless, to make it more efficient. And so I don't ha- am not late on my bills. And you would think after this many years and given my field of expertise <laughs> that I'd have this down. But, if, you know, systems that I've used before seem to fail. And I just was reading some articles and I thought, oh, everybody doesn't do it the way I was raised to do it. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to learn more about how other people are doing it. And maybe we can find myself a new strategy that works. So I typically wait as long as I possibly can wait and then pick up a pile of bills and very grumpily go online and pay them. (laughs) But um, I thought maybe... Maybe, Kamaya and Seisha, you have a different way of doing it that works better. So I was going to ask you, how do you approach paying bills? It is a pain. And over the last few years, I've gotten a little better um, with doing more of like the automatic stuff mm-hmm. and splitting it between me and my partner because it would drive me nuts. Like some of the regular uh, monthly bills that would come in, um, there's some companies that do a very good job with like setting up like their online payment system so it makes it easy for you to go in and then there's just others that lag behind so it's just it it just never I just never wanted to deal with some of it and my my partner is in tech so he get frustrated and then I would have to take it over to make sure that some stuff gets paid so it was just like this crazy thing that was happening in our household so we have um, learned from our challenges and made some decisions to split up some of the different things um, and and how we go in to do that. So where we can set up it, the automatic payments, we go ahead and do that. Um, and we're always trying to, we're always paying attention to like new updates to the company systems because like I said, like there's been some struggles with some of them in the past and you have to call because the online payment didn't go in and other things like that. So we, we had some frustrations there. I hear you with those frustrations. I've had things set up and bills that were working perfectly for three years. All of a sudden I realized, hey, this isn't getting paid and Mm -hmm. it's been three months Mm -hmm. and that's not good. Um, So, you know, (laughs) so I get that. That's frustrating. Seisha, do you have a other solution or do you? No, I honestly, I'm, we do a lot of automatic payments, um, a lot of, you know, ACH automatic clearinghouse payments through our bank. Um, But we also do, I do a lot of bill pay online with my bank um and there's months like just last month i forgot to pay the water bill <laughs> and my husband was like why is this double and i was like i have no idea i was like i didn't think we you know we ran that much water last month and oh nope just forgot to pay it so i'm not really <laughs> sure where the disconnect is even as a, a financial educator that my bills sometimes you know, get a month behind or so. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. So I think this is going to be a great topic, Kathy. 
All right. Well, let's back it up a little bit. Okay. okay. Let's take a little bit, step back and look at income and cash flow mm-hmm. and see, you know, how is that for households today, including our own? And then we'll kind of circle back after we've explored all this and think about what are the strategies we might want to focus on that might improve this process for mm-hmm. us <laughs> so that we can not gripe about it so much and get our bills in on time. Yes. Those are my two goals. So I think one of the things that there's more and more recognition of is that household cash flow isn't always consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the methodologies that I have used traditionally and maybe others is sort of this assumption that we have the same monthly income Mm -hmm. um, each month. And then, therefore, you kind of pay based on that. You know, when you get your paycheck, then you pay your bills. And maybe it's not monthly. Maybe it's every other week. And, you know, you know, certain big bills come out each month. And maybe that's what people find is working for them. But some really interesting research that was reported in a, a book I love called The Financial Diaries, How American Families Cope in a World of Uncertainty um, by Jonathan Murdoch and Rachel Schneider. They, they did a really in-depth research study and looked at cash flow, not like by averages, but really like when's money coming in and when does it need to go out? Mm-hmm. And they found, and they were, they were focusing on low and moderate income households. Um, for a year. And they found that for more than five months a year, the average family in their studies income was either 25% above or below their median annual, in, you know, medium income over mm-hmm. the year. That's a huge amount of difference. Mm-hmm. It is. So really hard to, um, you know, plan around, I would think. And even the economic well-being of U.S. household study that came out in May from the federal government found that, you know, 30% of of adults had family income that varied significantly from month to month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some industries more than others, but still, you know, no wonder it's a challenge to pay bills on a, on a regular basis from my point of view. I don't know. So I just was wondering, like, have um, either of you had to deal with income fluctuations and how do you manage that? I recently haven't. I'm going to be honest. You know, one, I guess, good thing about being employed with the university is that we get a consistent paycheck, which I'm very grateful for. But, you know, I haven't dealt with that recently, but I do remember in college um, or even when I was working part time that that really that was a struggle for me when, you know, like if I miss it, if I was sick a day or if I didn't get all my hours in for the week, like my paycheck was significantly smaller and it really, I really struggled sometimes um, some months. So again, that's why credit cards were around and that's why I got into credit card debt and that's why I'm an educator now. But yeah, I, I... I'm grateful that I don't deal with that right now. For me, I was a grad student for many years, um, <laughs> working on both master's and PhD. So I never had any money. Every month was kind of different. Um, there were times when I would have like a contracted um, position, like maybe a coordinator position. Um, and then there was like times when it was like a TA position. So there was like fluctuation. My partner's income was steady, but mine wasn't. So we had like lots of different changes um, like throughout the month. And we had an infant at this time as well, too. So think of like childcare costs, paying rent, taking care of all like the other needs that you do have. And so like for changes with that, a big thing that we did was 
just kind of get rid of some of like the discretionary spending piece. So the things that, um, you know, make you happy, the things yeah. that are fun, we reduce that. And we would um, deplete like our savings um, when like if one month is different from the other. So we try to build up that emergency savings, but lots of times they got depleted. So that was our way of dealing with kind of like that fluctuation. Um, and we were, you know, in that place where we're like, we're so independent. We're not going to reach out to parents for any help. We're going to fight through this. So that's kind of what we did. Um, But a part of it too, we did have like family that we could rely on if we needed to. Um, And and I know that is hard and not um, the same for everybody, but, you know, depleting our our savings, um, kind of having an idea that we have family to rely on and also to just making some changes to like how we spend each month. Those were our strategies. Yeah. So for our household, we've always had fluctuating income. Um, So even though um, actually my husband's a faculty at the university, the university pays for nine months of salary mm-hmm. out of 12. And so we made a choice early on that you you can set it up where you actually, they, they pay you less than they would and they stretch it, you get an even amount over 12 months. Um, and then if you pull in other dollars through research grants or something, you can pay for yourself uh, um, over the summer. So we did that not knowing what, you know, whether there would ever be any grant money to pay over the summer. And I, there were many uh, years where, because that didn't, wasn't so much at that time. And so, um, you know, work, you know, come May, I'd be putting, you know, a lot of things on credit cards, knowing that we'd get more money in the summer and then I would go back and pay that off. Um, that was kind of, and that, you know, there were a lot of expenses that you had to pay ahead. Like we, when we had childcare for the summer, you couldn't wait for that month to pay it. You know, if you're registering for things and stuff, you had to pay it ahead. Um, and the credit cards were really our safety net at that point. And then we got to the place where when we did have extra monies in the summer, we would use that to kind of pay ahead other things. Like if we knew we wanted to take a holiday trip, okay, so we'd save, you know, like kind of what you're saying, Kamaya, take that money when you had it and pay, put it into savings for, you know, costs that you might need ahead or special events and things. And then essentially when I started working, my income, I didn't start out as a full-time educator. I was on grants and it was all over the place. How many hours I had, mm-hmm. how much it was, when it was. And we were lucky that we just kind of took the attitude. We tried not to live on that. That was sort of mm-hmm. our savings or um, extra things. Like I bought a dining room table with my first paycheck because we didn't have a table. We had chairs, no table. Um, and, you know, things like that. So, you know, it was just, there was always questions of like, how is this going to work out over the year, much less month to month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, interesting to hear, you know, I think we've all used savings and or credit to kind of smooth that income out, um, which, I, you know, I think that's just been the reality for people. But then I was reading and learned about this new thing called Insta payments and or Insta paychecks. And I have, was unaware of this since, um, as far as I know, the university does offer this. <laughs> yeah, but many companies and employers are now have apps where as soon as you work your shift 
and you've earned that income, you can access it. You don't have to wait for your paycheck at the end of two weeks or a month. Um, you can pull that out as soon as you've earned it. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was just like such a kind of interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we even kind of get into like, I don't know, do you guys want to have any like reaction time on this before I get into <laughs> what other people said? Like, you know, because my first thought was, wow, you could just go work and then get your money and go do something. And like, that'd be a real motivator to go to work. I know. <laughs> like, what craziness is this? I don't know. Let I, me learn more about it. That, that was negative. when you, yeah, when Ka- Kathy mentioned this too, I'm like, I need to see more about this. I need to learn a little bit more about this. What is all of this? And Seisha, what was your first? No, I really have a negative about it because I feel like you, if you, once you have it, you're just going to go spend it and it's gone. And what if you can't pay your rent this month? Or what if you can't pay your utility bills? Like that's my big fear. Like Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of um, people are using like a gig economy, like they're, you know, using, they're working part time or they're, you know, working different hours, but like this, this kind of scares me a little bit. Like I, I definitely see it as a motivator for monies, right, Kathy? Because like, you know, if I work more, I get paid more and then I'll get it later, you know, in an hour or two or whenever I'm done. But I feel like that's a, also a, a slippery slope to not paying our bills at all. Yeah. So, I, you know, one of the articles that I read about um, is in a series called Next Billion and um, behavioral economists were commenting on the challenges of instant pay checks and using, you know, the research that they're that they know from behavioral economics to kind of validate why they think instant pay checks would make life harder. And so they said, you know, for one thing, if you use this and you were to use it effectively, you'd have to know how much money you need for bills so that you can avoid spending it early, like Mm -hmm. Sasha was saying. How much are you going to earn over the month? And research has shown that's really easy to overestimate. And Mm -hmm. especially in times that our economy is uncertain and people are changing shifts and closing down and opening up could really be a problem. And then how much do you spend over the month? And again, they pulled on behavioral economics research that shows that people typically underestimate the amount they spend. And so without these three components of what do you need? What are you going to earn? How much are you going to spend? Being clear in people's heads. Mm -hmm. um, They were working under the assumption that people would use this money early for discretionary things like ordering Mm -hmm. out or entertainment and then end up short when it came time for bill payment, like, you know, rent or mortgages or, or things like that. So they, their recommendation was that people only used instant payments for unexpected expenses. So like truly kind of emergency things. Mm-hmm. Do you want to like comment on that, Seisha? You're our like behavioral economics guru around here. I mean, I feel like that that is logical to me, like that there would be some issues with it, right? Like, I don't know if I'm the behavioral economics guru, Kathy, but I do <laughs> feel like... Um, you know, once I always believe that in, if it's in, if it's available to spend, it's just going to be gone. So I, I feel like these, these behavioral economics looking at this, this ability to pay is right. So I, I'm glad that they had got to look at it because if they didn't, we would have a lot of issues. So any thoughts, Kamaya, that you want to kick in there about it? 
No, I read through this article as well, too. And I I like the recommendations because a lot of times with the good intention of, you know, for folks who are working paycheck to paycheck, what are the best options for them as things happen and they need to take care of things? Because when we look at it, like who is it directed towards and who are going to um, benefit most and who are going to have the most challenge? And it feels like it's the same um, group of folks will have the most challenge from it. So when I was reading through the article, I was thinking, reflecting on just some of the recommendations they have um, and just thinking that, you know, when you list out, yes, there are, you know, pros to it, but list out like what some of the challenges are, um, you know, having the assumption that everybody is going to to start from a place where, yes, I'm going to get all my bills paid and I'm not going to do certain things because this is what I'm doing it for. But even further on with like learning more about it, as I kept looking more um, um, on it and finding out more information, just trying to understand, you know, what is it going to do for kind of like our psyche, right? So we have like these understanding of we work and we get paid every week, every two weeks, every month, things like that. And I started thinking about like the challenges that it might cause even in households where you know, you have different income flow. People are thinking differently about how they're using this, um, thinking about like, you know, if they're using apps for this and what are some of going to be some of the challenges with that. And I know you'll talk a little bit more about that too, Kathy. Yeah, well, and so I I, I, I see the argument and I, and until level of me, I agree, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd do this. <laughs> I'm sure you're so surprised. That no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, I think in a way that most people do have a pretty good idea of how much they need. And, you know, it may not always work out. And I think we have to be realistic about what people's choices are. And so um, I just wonder if this was more available to people and one of the things I thought was kind of good about it was there are apps out there that don't seem to have fees mm. to use them. And so, you know, that's always my concern with financial new financial services. What is the fee level you're paying mm. for this? Um, and when we look at what are the options that people are choosing right now um, when they are short on dollars, it could, I could argue that having availability of instant paychecks would decrease the costs that people pay for interest charges um, in order to smooth out income volatility. So in other words, that was sort of like a very researchy. It wasn't thing. very researchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if people had access and used instant paychecks, maybe they wouldn't take out high interest loans to pay costs mm-hmm. that they need until their income catches up with their needs. That's what I'm arguing. <laughs> and, you know, when we look at it, you know, high interest loans can the interest rates can easily range between 35 to 450 percent mm-hmm. and then people have to keep paying that it costs a lot and it costs a lot for people especially that have limited incomes because so much then as a percentage of their income is going to just pay for these interest costs mm-hmm. and when we take a look at information again from the report on the economic well-being of U.S. households we see that 
5% of the adult population is using alternative financial service products like payday loans, mm-hmm. paycheck advances, pawn shops, auto title loans, and tax refund advances. So 5% of our population is paying more for their required needs because they they can't get this income to expense thing going. Okay, I made a bunch of assumptions in there like that, that they were needs and that they can't do it. But for the moment, let's think about would this be a benefit to people? Um, because I don't think anybody can argue that paying 350% mm-hmm. is a good thing. So I think that, I think some of it come down, it comes down to like lack of, or self-control. Like to, that's like, to me, like, this is like the big overall, like arching, like paying bills is a, is a thing like we have to do, you know, and making sure that we don't spend that money that we have to like go out to eat or spend it on, you know, kids toys or whatever it is, you know, versus like making sure we pay for rent. Like that's a self-control thing. And I think if somebody has the ability that they know, like, okay, you know, if I work today and I can take that money and, you know, put it towards my rent or put it towards my car payment or whatever it is and make sure that that money is in that bucket, right? Like we were talking behavioral economics, like put it in that bucket for them, then they can actually like be able to avoid those loans like you're talking about. But you have, I think there's a a, a level of self-control here too. So I just wanted to throw that piece in. I think that's a great point. I mean, self-control and that's so individualistic, right? Mm -hmm. And it evolves over time as we, things happen in our life and we change and it just actually is a day to by day thing. I would argue like some (laughs) days I have better self-control than other days. Mm So um, there's that too. So um, certainly impulse spending or self-control would be affect, you know, instant paychecks would come into play there. Yeah. You know, and I think for this, when I think about it too, I think it is as a, another option for consumers, right? So there is always advances in technology and different things that people are trying to use that are going to benefit them. And so I look at it as kind of like another option and how do you compare all the options that you do have. So just like Kathy was talking about with like payday loans. So looking at like interest rates, um, looking at what the fee structure is and all the different other features that you should be paying attention to. So I see it as more of kind of like that comparison thing that we constantly advise people to compare. Um, so that that's how I see it as well to, you know, just even reflecting on what this actually is. I do think that as I've been kind of mulling this over and talking to people about it in preparation for this podcast, that I'm realizing that let I mean that many people don't work on a monthly budget time Correct. period. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when we teach money management and we talk about everything in a monthly time frame, that 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 might really be doing harm. Mm-hmm. where we think it's doing something good. And and it works for some people. So there's definite value to it. But recognizing that it may not help other people. 
um, I think is important. Mm -hmm. And so even um, yesterday, I was having a great conversation with some student interns. And we were talking about the fact that when they, the school year starts for them, which it just did, and they get a financial aid packet, if they're not living on campus, and their financial aid packet would cover their typically like the dorms and the Mm -hmm. food plan, then they get what's called a refund. I'm not sure why they name it that. But anyway, they get a refund. So they get a lump sum amount into their accounts that is to be used for the whole semester to pay for rent and food. Now, that's not a monthly paycheck. That's Mm -hmm. a large amount of money that comes dumped on to, you know, uh, young adults who haven't necessarily had any experience managing thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, um, I know when I went away, you know, to college, I was used to managing like my Friday night, you know, go to the football game, maybe get a new shirt and buy some popcorn money. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty much it. So I was talking to them and they actually, two out of three of them said that what they do is they immediately take that money and they go pay their rent for the whole semester. Yep. That's what I was going to tell you. Yep. Yeah. And I thought, well, isn't that smart? And that is not monthly. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of puts down the amount they have in their discretionary. I've noticed that there are several restaurants locally that are in our campus town area that now have meal plans you can buy for the whole semester. What? Yeah. So just like you'd get a meal plan at the residence hall where you'd get X number of meals for something, you could go to this particular restaurant and there's more than one of them and you can get a meal plan for the semester that gives you, I guess, so many punches or so much dollars there. I really don't know exactly how that process is, but another way of kind of making sure you're going to have food through the semester Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and simplifying that whole process of like, where do I go eat tonight? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So, I just thought these things were kind of interesting. It's just as we think about it, um, what other examples can we think of of things that we pay not on a monthly basis that we have to, you know, consider when we're doing uh, our own financial planning? That's a good question. And I think one of the first thing that came to mind has to do with like some of the subscriptions that we have. Um, there's some that are monthly, but there's some that you have the option of just paying for the year or paying for six months. And so like the amount you pay, of course, monthly is going to look different than what you would pay in a lump sum for six or six months or a year. Because they typically give you a break if you pay the six months yes. or a year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Car insurance you is have- another one. Pardon? Car insurance is another one. Mm-hmm. I can think of. Um, I think a lot of insurances, you know, you could pay annually and it would save you money or six months. Um, I was thinking about uh, once you have students going to college, which is a big lump sum amount of money, mm-hmm. um, you know, paying the tuition, although many universities do offer a monthly plan if you prefer. But they're, you know, special vacations and travel, mm-hmm. holidays back-to-school costs, uh, medical expenses don't come mm-hmm. around nicely every month, typically. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if they did? <laughs> well, if you knew ahead so you could yes. plan for those, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So um, I think if we stop to think about it, there's there's some things that we'd consider not discretionary or not entertainment or fun mm-hmm. that we do have to pay that aren't on that monthly basis. Yeah. Um, and I guess... 
you know, different families, I think, in households find ways, whether to set it aside for savings or have a different account for that, um, to kind of have that money ahead. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are using um, debt as a way to handle that and then paying it back, mm-hmm. which is expensive. I know there was a few, there was a research study a few years ago, and I really hope I don't botch this, but I do remember that they were using tax time dollars, like a tax refund to help mitigate the um, the highs and lo- like the lows of a month. Like you said, 25%. So like if they got a large refund, they could use, they would put it in savings and know like, okay, if July is going to be a month where my expenses are low, then I can use that tax time money. And they would like actually like, send it, you know, during that month, it was like, it was separately, it was separate money, but it, you know, it came at the right time when they needed it. So I do remember that being like really successful. Um, I just wish I remember what the research is. I'll find it and I'll post it. But yeah. And I do know from having talked to people that many people take their tax refunds and pay their rent ahead Mm -hmm. um, and things like that, that they know are coming up um, just to get that, you know, to get that kind of locked in and paid for and to help smooth out some of those costs. And they may be using it also to pay back some of those debts they've borrowed, which I would still argue is a more expensive way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I think, you know, kind of to like wrap this a little bit in our conversation, you know, clearly the recommendations that came out of the behavioral economics article on avoiding the downside of Instapay and what they, in the next billion article where they were talking about, you know, knowing your income. And I think that's something we've all talked about on other podcasts is tracking your income, just like you track your expenses. Mm -hmm. So you have a sense of when are they going to be the highs and the lows. Um, And it might be a really good thing right now because so many things have changed in employment to to think about as hard as it might be to think about what's going to be different in the next six months where maybe I had income and I'm not, I might not have it this year. So I know a lot of people pick up extra hours and retail over the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so sure that there's going to be as many hours uh, in, you know, brick to mortar stores for people to, to pick up those hours. Um, So kind of thinking ahead about that. And we, we do have a tracking worksheet if it's helpful to you at go.illinois.edu slash money mentors under the resource tab. Um, So that's, there for download. And of course, tracking your expenses and then comparing that income flow to your expenses on them, whether it's month to month to you or week to week or how is best for you to think about it. Um, And I think, you know, thinking about instant payments overall as a flexible payment option, you know, when you are looking at taking out a high interest loan, as Kamaya said, maybe this is another financial tool. Mm -hmm. So not for the day to day, I'm going to go out and have fun with my friends. And now I can spend more on dinner than I was going to. But if you are in a place where you have to consider a high interest loan, maybe looking at the instant paycheck instead as a way of avoiding those high fees. I'm still not so sure about my bill paying strategy. (laughs) I'm not so sure either, Kathy. (laughs) Maybe our listeners would have some ideas and they could send them to me. One thing I do, I try to do, especially with like 
Because there's there's always like one credit card payment. Like I just forget about it. Like I don't know why. It drives me batty. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I do try to calendar like a few days in advance to be like, hey, this bill is due on the 17th. Remember it's due. Like, you know, make it on the 15th. Make it on the 16th. Because if I – I am just – it's just that one bill. It's notorious. I'm like, what is going on? Why can't I get this bill paid on time? Well, I have an idea why we have a problem with that. Oh, I want to hear it. I don't believe, and I should double check this with all mine, that my credit card bills are on a 30-day cycle. I think they're more on like a 25-day cycle. And so the day of the month changes, right? Because if it's 25-day cycle, then over time you're moving on the calendar. I never thought about it that way. Um, Because I don't think we're getting a full 30 days of grace on interest charges. Well, that's bogus. We should get 30 days, but I should check that out. We should check. I think we should check that out and see what that really is. on ours. Because I think that makes it extra hard because I did used to be able to always do 30 days on my credit cards after Mm -hmm. my paycheck. And I can't do that anymore. Hmm. So that is part of the problem. But I don't really know what to do about that either. So I think I just need to pay bills more often so they're not late. (laughs) For me, it's just like just... Like there's so that's the other thing is like there's so many bills, right? Like when you start to think about how many there are, like it becomes mm-hmm. kind of overwhelming. Like like I have mortgage, I have car payments, I have a cell phone bill, I have utility, you know, water, gas, heat, electricity, like quarterly to, income taxes. Yeah, income taxes. <laughs> like I mean, just some of these are just legit. And like there's just so many, so I can. Right. Or credit card bills, you know, daycare costs for me. Like, there's just so much that Mm -hmm. I pay on a regular basis. And so I could see why it gets to a point where it's overwhelming. Like, that it's hard to remember what all you have all the time. I think that's the argument for having less credit cards, too, is Mm -hmm. that then you can keep track of them more um, because you don't have, like, odd ones coming in that... Maybe you don't use that credit card that often, but when you go to that particular store, you use their credit card and then you forget that that doesn't, you know, isn't coming in every time. Mm -hmm. Kamai, do you have any, do you have any golden gems you want to share about bill pay? (laughs) I say if you have the option to divide it up and that's, that's made my life a little bit easier Mm -hmm. because it's, it's. It has, you know, rears its ugly face and it just gets, it gets on you a little bit. So we've, we've decided to just find a system that works well for us and kind of divide and conquer, holding each other accountable is one way. (laughs) You know, and that brings up a good point. And this is like a side track, like I'm going down a little bunny trail, but um, there is a lot of. Uh, talk about, you know, like one spouse usually takes care of all the bills. And so it is important for the other spouse or other partner to pay the bills at least like once every once in a while, because like if something happened to you, Mm -hmm. you know, they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't, maybe they would figure it out with like, you know, statements coming in. But a lot of times my statements don't come in anymore. They're electronic. So Mm -hmm. um, email. Yeah. I just think that it's important. Just side bunny trail down the road. Like (laughs) make sure you, if you're the person who pays all the bills, make sure that the other person at least like once a year, like just so that they know. 
And I do tell people when they now, when they get, you know, decide to join households and um, share in that bill paying to watch what you, you say you'll do, because I guess, according to my husband, 39 years ago, when we got married, I said, I'd pay the bills. I really don't recall that. Um, <laughs> but so somehow it's my risk, you know, every time I'm like, well, if you don't like it, you could do it. He's like, no, you said you'd do it. <laughs> expectations early yeah so um he does other things so i i really can't fully complain about that but you know i think yeah there i think one of the things is because i dislike it so much i don't really give myself time and space to organize it and you know i go on at the last minute i'm already grumpy about it and then when connections don't work like trying to make things automatic has just been really Hard, and I was blaming it on my particular financial institution's account, but maybe it's not all about that. You know, it, it is, you know, because I'd like to get more things automatic, but it just seems to be, I'm now at the point where I'm trying to do one a month and get it connected automatically. Heck yeah, that's a good goal. Yeah, I figure if I can get one a month actually accomplished, I will eventually have them where they're fully connected and they know each other and they talk to each other and it all works. (laughs) You know, I love these discussions because then our listeners get to hear the very human sides of us. Mm -hmm. And I love this one on Instapay because, you know, just even looking at what it actually is and for some of the takeaway from me when I think about like this too, right? So I think of it as an option, but as people are learning more about it and your employer may offer it, just learn more from them, like what their role is and to see how they have it set up. And if you, if they have it set up through like different apps and what the responsibilities are for you. So what are some of the automatic features? Um, If there are any upfront fees that you have to pay, maybe if there is like a percentage of your paycheck that will go towards that fee or they're just charging that upfront. So like that overall fee structure, if there's like any penalty structure. So a a big thing for me when I was thinking about this, like I was so excited to learn more. And then I'm like, okay, so what do people need to know about it? And, you know, if, if it's, again, if it's an option through your employer, just look to see what are those options and if there is something else that would work out better. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing to think about, too, is to double check what happens. I mean, is the account fully insured by the FDIC? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, That's a big one. And do you, it, sometimes things are, and then as the systems evolve, things change. So always keeping up to date on that and thinking about how is this money being stored and, you know, what is your access if you don't work for them anymore? Things like that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall, it it is something that we're probably going to see grow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that it'll sure. be looking at the companies like Walmart and Uber who are already using this. These are big companies. We're probably going to see this grow. And mm-hmm. so, like you said, Kamaya, helping people think through, what do we need to know before we opt into this? And is it a good fit for me mm-hmm. um, or or not? It mm-hmm. sounds like and it's that- kind of replacing those um, those prepaid cards, like the, the paycheck cards. Like that would be... That's why I think people are doing it also because it's just one way to get rid of another card. And it's, if it's an app, I have it on my phone and I can put it in my bank and whatever. Right. So. Right. So 
could end up being kind of a cool thing, mm-hmm. but things just keep changing in finances. And I'm really happy to have had this opportunity to talk about instant paychecks and then explore that, you know, kind of in the realm of getting our bills paid in time and how mm-hmm. does that look like? So mm-hmm. thank you for all your comments and helping me debate this in our fun. family financial feuds. Yes. Yes. It's been a pleasure. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.